Good to be in God's house today, the Lord's day, amen, on this eighth day of 2023. We're gathering in from the foyer, the lobby, the coffee shop, to this uh, space to worship God, to pray together, to hear His Word, to encourage each other, amen. Glad you're here, and uh, good to be back with our Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene family, 4,136 miles later. But who's counting, right? Worth every mile of it. I'm going to invite my friend Larry King to come up. He's going to read scripture in a minute. You guys have enjoyed some uh, beautiful services over the Christmas season while we're gone. And I was hoping Tim Stearman could be here. He's away with his daughter up in Parker. But I wanted to, to thank Larry and Tim and Lori all for the extra effort they made to plan and lead those beautiful services you enjoyed over Christmas at a time when I'm sure for them and their families it was busy and they had lots of things going on, but they made that extra effort to provide some great services for you. I appreciate that and the extra mile you went for all of that. 
this past Friday, January 6th, was Epiphany. That uh, day in the Christian calendar, in the church calendar, when we remember and celebrate the visit of the Magi to the child Jesus. And uh, I've asked Larry to read the story of that uh, visit in Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, Matthew's Gospel chapter 2. And I think, Larry, you can grab that microphone right now, or right, right there, and right now. Matthew chapter 2, we'll begin at verse uh, 1. Big Bible. Actually, it's big print from the word of the Lord. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered the chief priests and the scribes together, he inquired from them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring word back to me that I may come and worship him too. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to, to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being secretly warned in a dream what they that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way the word of the Lord. I want to come back to that passage in preaching today. And that visit of the Magi was anticipated centuries before it happened. Isaiah chapter 60 at verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. The beginning of the fulfillment of that prophecy in the visit of the Magi. Well, we're still walking in that light, the light of Christ today, amen, and will be until he comes again. Let's stand together as Lori and the team steps up, and let's, uh, let's give praise to the Christ of Christmas. Let's give praise to the light of the world. Let's uh, worship our God today, amen.
waited for you. You weren't turned away from eternity. And you came with this little tiny baby and delivered such a big package for us. And Lord, here we are again in a place where we're waiting for you to come. In a place where we need you desperately. 
Lord, I pray that this morning, as we continue to step into your throne room and to kneel before you, that we can lay all those things at your feet, and we can praise you for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That you've got us in the palm of your hand, that you're in control of all things, and that you love us individually and every hair on every head in this place. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do this morning, and I pray that our hearts and our minds will line up with you, that we'll be ready to receive your word, that you'll move in us in a way that is new, that wakes us up. Jesus, we need you more than anything, and we need you. So I pray, Father, that this will be a morning full of joy and hope morning where we can just come to you and know that no matter what's going on in us individually or in this world, that you've got it, you've taken care of it, and that we can just worship you and praise you through storms, through the hurt, and through anything else we're going through. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do this morning. And I know I want to leave here changed. So, Lord, help us to dig into you, to really focus on you, Jesus. And we just ask your spirit to come in and to take over this time and that we can just keep our eyes fixed on you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Would you guys, first of all, I know that Miss Sharon's in the back, so the kids, there's a flag waving back there. You can go with Miss Sharon and everyone else. Would you turn? Say Happy New Year and welcome each other here today. We are glad that you're all here. Hi, Bill. Hey, Harper. Harper. We're live. Hey. Hey, Jeff Shalom. Good morning, church family, and happy new year. It is so good to be back worshiping with you. God bless each and every one of you, and hope you are having a wonderful new year so far. God is good. Just want to point out a few announcements. These announcements are all in this beautiful pink handout and one of our ushers is going to come around if you 
got through the doors and into your seat without getting one of these, be sure and raise your hand and an usher will be sure you get one. Um, you'll want to be sure and have that because it has all kinds of information about some wonderful things that is going on in January here at WP NAS. And everything that we do here, we want it to be an opportunity to invite someone to come with you. Maybe someone who doesn't know the Lord, someone who doesn't have a church family yet. Please, I encourage you to invite them to come with you to any of these events that we are having this month. Wednesday evening um, is prayer time here. Um, took a little break over the holidays, but this um, Wednesday evening, we're back here praying here at the church, 6.30. And uh, each and every one of you are invited to come and encouraged to come and, uh, and lift up each other in prayer and any needs that you might have. Also, this is in your handout. It's a connection card. And we would love for you to write down on the back of this connection card anything that we can be praying about for you. We want to be praying for you because prayer makes a difference, doesn't it? Amen? Prayer makes a difference. And so we want to be praying for you. So just take a few minutes and write down anything that we can be in prayer uh, for you about. And on the other side is a place for your information name, address, email, anything that needs to be updated, or if we don't have that information, we would love that. And just fill that out, and in a few minutes when the ushers come and take our morning tithes and offerings, you can put that in the offering plate. This coming Saturday, our prime timers are going to, going to be enjoying a brunch together right here at the church um, at 11 o'clock, and that's going to be a great time, and I hope that all prime timers can come. Uh, Lynn and Dick Wonk are in charge of this one, and so if you are able to bring something, be sure and uh, email them, contact them, talk to them in the back. I see Lynn back there in a red beautiful sweater there. So just talk to them and let them know what you are would like to bring for that Prime Timers brunch. The following Saturday will be our women's um, fellowship time, 930, and it is right here at the church. Um, we have decided to, to make that more accessible to everyone. Uh, we want to have that right here at the church. And so that following Saturday is the women's fellowship, the women's um, breakfast here at the church. And uh, be sure and look at that information in your handout. It's all right there. There's all kinds of great opportunities. So be sure and look at that handout um, to see those opportunities and uh, mark them on your calendar so you don't miss. I'm going to invite Scott Meyer to come up. He is going to give us an update on our pastoral search process. Good morning, Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. It's good to know that you're part of something bigger than just you or your your family. That we're all something. Uh, we're all part of the body of Christ and we're we're a part of that body of Christ through this body of Christ. So I'm glad to be with you. I have the privilege of being one of the board members and and being able to bring these reports to you. The last time we had a report, was that a fun report? Not so much. Well, things are a little bit different. It's a new year, right? Is it going to be a good year? All right. 
yeah, I, I get I get an affirmative from Ben because he's got to work real hard to make sure that he can actually leave at some point. <laughs> and he does, and they do. And we do appreciate that, don't we? Well, <clears throat> we uh, received word this, this, this week, uh, being, a, being the first week of the new year, that our district superintendent has several candidates that he wants to present to the board. We will be meeting on the 17th of this year, of, of this month, uh, for that purpose, to, to discuss the, the possibilities of the candidates that he has in hand. So that's very good news. Uh, if this time is anything like last time, they will be well qualified. Um, Dr. Astrin was here last time I made the announcement. He's not here today, but uh, we want, we want to make sure that we show him our appreciation for the work that he's doing. He is a busy guy, just like our, our pastors are, our interim pastors. So that's, that's all the news that's fit to print, other than the fact that we will be asking everybody that can. We will be asking everybody that can to stay after our service, immediately after our service. There'll probably be a five or 10 minute break and then we would like to exclusively set apart a time for the next four weeks that we can pray for this pastoral search and that we can pray for the new pastor, whoever, whoever that person would be, that we would pray for God's wisdom and that we would pray for our own board uh, and those that are involved in the, in the process along with Dr. Astrid. So we just want to set aside some time, maybe up to an hour for the next four weeks for that purpose and that purpose alone. So you're invited and encouraged to be there because we truly do need your prayers for wisdom and discernment. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. Prayer is so important. And I hope you can all stay afterwards in order to uh, be praying about that pastoral search. And we do appreciate our church board and all the work that they are putting into this. So thank you. I'm going to invite our ushers to come now for our morning tithes and offerings. And I would like to say a prayer for us as we continue in our act of worship to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very much for being such a generous and giving God. You have blessed us so very much, and Lord, we are a grateful people, and we thank you. <clears throat> and now we pray, Father, that as we have this opportunity to give, I pray, Father, that you will help us to be a generous people. I pray that you will help us to give. I pray that you will help us to know, Lord, that you are using our tithe, Lord, to help reach people who need you. We thank you for our church. We thank you for your spirit that is alive and well here. And we just thank you for these many opportunities that you give us. Bless us now as we give. In Jesus' name.
we're going to continue our time of worship. goodness of God. 
much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the it's all about 
Cause it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've done. Cause it's all about you. It's all about you.
that's our heart cry. Father, we come in out of the world for these few minutes into this place. God, we bring burdens, we bring questions, we're praying over everyone from NFL players to our grandkids. We love this time when we can remember what's most important, we can remember you. And I pray that we take what we remember here and what we experience here, Lord, in the spirit of worship and prayer, your word, and take it back out with us into that world when we leave today. We do bring our needs to you. We uh, pray for Diane Allen, who's back in the hospital. Lord, uh, with a prognosis that's tough, we pray for her and Gary right now. Lift them up, encourage their hearts, strengthen their faith. We pray for healing. We pray for remission of that cancer again. God, fill that room with your presence. Many other burdens on our hearts today. And God, I pray that you'd lift those. Help us to accept the invitation of your son, to come to him, to find rest, to yoke with him so that the burdens are light. God, I pray that you'd strengthen our faith here today. I pray that you'd encourage our hearts. I pray that you'd brighten our hopes. Lord, thank you for meeting each one where they are. Thank you for your love for us, your grace, and your mercy. Thanks for a new year, a new day, for the hope that it brings. Help us to live in that hope. Now, Father, again, we pray for ears to hear your word. And may it not only find a place in our hearing, O God, but in our hearts and in our living, form and fashion us to be more like your son. We pray all these things with thanksgiving in his name, in Jesus' name. can be seated. I don't know that I've ever been as aware of what we bring to this time as I am today. We really do have lots that we're praying about and lots of things that could burden us. I certainly do. Let's ride the crest of the wave of the message of Christmas today and into this new year, knowing that God is with us, my friends. We've got a God who in the fullness of time rolled up his sleeves and came into this world of ours, walked our sod, breathed our air, became like one of us, and now his son is at his right hand, the Father's right hand, praying for us, pulling for us, with us to the end. Amen. I need to hear that, if nothing else. Tim uh, Stearman, I think, said last week that often us preachers are preaching to ourselves and preaching messages that we need to hear, and uh, today's no exception. Uh, I'm always a listener, and I think I have a message today that I need to hear, but good to know that God is with us, amen? Good to see that you're still here. 
us uh, pastors have these nightmares once in a while when they go away and come back and nobody's here. They've all gone. But I'm, I'm glad that, that that didn't happen. I want you to turn back with me to that Matthew chapter 2 passage in the visit of the Magi. I'm going to use that, I suppose, as illustration this morning in some regards. But I'm going to preach from that uh, Matthew chapter 2 text. I've borrowed a picture of someone's nativity scene for my message today, and there it is. I suppose you might want to know whose nativity scene that is. I think the next slide may tell you. Oh, my goodness. That's our Emmy's nativity scene. Now, I want to go back to a picture of the nativity scene. Next slide. And notice someone in that nativity is missing. Look closely. Can you, can you tell? There is no Jesus in that nativity scene. Now, I asked Emmy about that, and she said, next slide, I don't know nothing about no baby Jesus. <laughs> but I suspect, next slide, she may have something to do with that. Anyway, there you go. There's your, uh, well, there's my Emmy fix for this morning. It was great being with her and, and our kids. Thanks for that time away. Uh, really, it was a blessed time. My message this morning picks up really right where Pastor Tim picked or left off last uh, Sunday in a great message about hope. Uh, here's my message today. We bow down and worship him. Now, Matthew is the only one of the four gospel writers that records the visit of the Magi or the wise men as most of us grew up knowing them. Uh, Pastor Larry uh, referenced this visit in his Christmas morning message and notice that our nativity scenes would lead us to believe that these magi were there the night that Jesus was born right next to the shepherds, but they were not, as he noted. Their visit could have occurred up to two years later, the Holy Family now living in a house, and Jesus may very well have been toddling around that new home. A lot has been written about uh, these magi and who they were exactly and where they came from. Much has been written about the star and what that could have been that guided them. We assume there were three of these magi based on the three gifts that they presented, but we don't know that for sure, for their number isn't recorded in Matthew's account. But there's plenty we do know, and there are some significant truths made known in this story of this unusual visit. The visit of the Magi was a fulfillment of prophecy. We read a bit from Isaiah 60, eight centuries before Christ, as was the, the place of Jesus' birth. There in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew quotes from Micah the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Indeed, it was Micah's prophecy that led the Magi from Jerusalem to that little town of Bethlehem, perhaps the star only confirming the truth of God's Word. The star, there's a truth there, a sign in the heavens, reminds us that God's theater of activity is all of creation. Maybe think of a friend of mine back home, David Mann was his name, a scientist, and an atheist for much of his life, and it was during a PBS 
special about the origins of the planet that he came to a faith in God, of all things. God will use anything, and he's involved in creation. These magi were not Jewish seekers, and their visit signaled God's intention to bring the good news of the gospel to the Gentiles, in other words, to the whole world. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. I love that line of the Christmas story. It's available to everyone. And then if we were to read the rest of Matthew chapter 2, we'd read of Herod's response after being outwitted by these magi, and he sent soldiers into that little town of Bethlehem with orders to kill all the, the boys two years of age or younger. It's a reminder to us that not all was merry and bright that first Christmas or any Christmas. That there is a great spiritual struggle playing out in this world and that the cost of redemption is high. I guess I've preached messages about all those things over the course of my ministry. But for the last few years now, what stands out for me in this story is what happens at that house in Bethlehem. After what may have been a months-long perilous journey for these magi, they come to Bethlehem, come to that house, and they cross the threshold. And Matthew's gospel says that they saw the child Jesus with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. There's a story to step into and try to imagine what that must have been like. I'm remembering a year ago this month that Kelly and I went to Phoenix for training for this role that we're playing. And while there in Phoenix, we headed up north to the Grand Canyon. We had never seen that. And I'll never forget stepping up to the rim of the Grand Canyon for the first time. It was a spiritual experience for me. And I'm not lying. In the winter, it was all just so quiet. And that was so Think about those magi, all those months, following that sign in the heavens, the dangers, the miles, the stirring in their heart, the anticipation, and then there they were. And what was their response? They fell to their knees, and they worshipped. For the last few years now, this story has been a call to worship for me. And a reminder to me in a new year of the importance of worship in the life of God's people. So here's our question on this eighth day of 2023. What place does worship have in your life these days? Do I set aside time each day to be alone with God and does that time include worship? Do I think about God, stay in communion with God, worship God throughout the day? Worship is central in the scriptures and in the life of God's people, always has been, still needs to be, always will be. You may have realized by now that I'm an A.W. Tozier fan because I quote him every once in a while. 
in his sermon, Worship, the Normal Employment of Moral Beings, he begins by asking these questions. Why did Christ come? Why was he conceived? Why was he born? Why was he crucified? Why did he rise again? Why is he now at the right hand of the Father? The answer to all these questions is, in order that he might make worshipers out of rebels, in order that he might restore us again to the place of worship we knew when we were first created. In his book, Worship on Earth as it is in Heaven, a worship leader by the name of Rory Nolan notes this, smack dab in the middle of God's word is a hymnal, a collection of praise songs known as the book of Psalms, the longest book of the Bible. Its length and location reflect the fact that from Genesis to Revelation, Scripture's top priority is worship. In fact, the closer we look, the more we discover how prominent worship is throughout the biblical narrative. And you could go on to say that the Psalms have been at the center of the life of God's people through the ages. Why? Because worship has been at the center of the life of God's people. I want to go back to 1984. How many were around in 1984? For me, that was BK, 1984 BK, before Kelly. Mary's tracking with me. And when I first preached a message like this a couple of years ago, and you can go to the next uh, blank slide there, John. Uh, I got to thinking about something. You know, we met at seminary, Kansas City. Our first date was January 1985. I got to Kansas City and seminary in the summer of 82. Kelly came in the summer of 83, which means we were there a whole year and a half in the same place, walking the same halls before we came to know each other and love each other. Just got to thinking about that. Made me kind of sad. Here's the application you know there are people who go for years, perhaps their whole lifetime, in the same world with God, the God who created the world and made them and makes himself known to them and pursues them without believing that he loves them or believing that they could love him. That's sad. Sometimes even for those of us who believe, Love for God, God's love for us, God's presence, God himself can be on the periphery of our religious life. And I believe worship and prayer ensure that doesn't happen. We sang, uh, draw me close to you. Thank you, Lori. That was per my request. How many knew that song? Written in 19... 94, written by a worship pastor named Kelly Carpenter, but made popular by Michael W. Smith in what I think is one of the best uh, worship albums, CDs ever made. I love that. Uh, it's been a song that's especially, uh, been especially meaningful to me. I came across the story behind that song from uh, the man who wrote it. He said, I had been leading worship and pastoring the worship ministry at our church for about two years. During this time, I had put myself under a lot of pressure. I was new to both leading and pastoring, and although I had a lot of confidence musically, I felt pretty green in worship leading and totally overwhelmed with the people leadership aspect. That's usually the toughest. 
I got so busy and focused on doing the work that my personal connection with God suffered. People wonder how this can happen to someone in ministry, but this kind of situation is all too common for church leaders and believers in general. When we come to know Christ, we arrive acutely aware of our brokenness and praying for personal transformation, but then we get better and learn how to do church, do scripture reading, do prayer, do good things for others, and do anything that is considered a good thing for a Christ follower to do. And sometimes living the Christian life becomes more focused on the doing rather than on the relationship with Christ and being in community with others. Like the story of Mary and Martha, do you remember that one? Martha's all busy with all the preparations for Jesus' arrival, and Mary is out there just enjoying Jesus. And of course, Martha gets ticked off at her little sister, and you know how that story goes. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the best thing. Chill out a little bit, Martha. He goes on. One Sunday in January 1994, I came home after leading worship music at my faith community, and I felt tired and down. I sat down at the piano, and the song just started pouring out of my heart. I realized that I wanted to know Jesus more than I wanted to do good works for him, and that somehow I had lost connection with him. When I spontaneously sang, I give it all up again to hear you say that I'm your friend, my heart melted. I later rewrote this line to say, I lay it all down again, which is how it's known today and sung that today. The story behind a beautiful praise song. Anyone relate to that story? I sure do. What is worship? I'm finding it really important in any conversation these days about anything significant that you've got to define your words first. I work with this definition, giving my full attention to God, who he is, and what he does in praise and thanks. Giving my full attention to God, who he is, and what he's done in praise and thanks. It's like the attention we give to someone on stage, perhaps. When our girls were younger, we were into American Idol. How many watched that show? Is that still around? American Idol, when uh, this big crowd and a big auditorium and a, and a TV audience all grows quiet when that young man or that woman steps up to sing, it's all about them. All attention is on them, all focus on them, all eyes and ears on them. It's like the acclaim we give an artist or a builder or a singer as we listen to their song or look at their work. Wow, that's, that's beautiful. Grand Canyon, giving my full attention to God, who he is and what he's done in praise and thanks. Audience participation, question. I'm assuming God does not need our worship. Oh, he's just waiting for someone to praise him. He doesn't need that. We need that. Here's the question. If worship is giving our full attention to God in praise and thanks, what would the advantage of that be for us? Why would God call us to worship? If worship is giving our full attention to God, who He is and what He's done, in praise and thanks, 
what would the advantage of that be to us? Connection to God. God inhabits the praise of his people, the Bible says. So it's an opportunity to encounter God, to experience his presence, and in that presence to be changed, right? Good answer, Timmy. Anything else come to mind? (laughs) I'm looking right this way and I'm getting... Sure, purifies your heart, change within. Surrender of myself to him. Very good. Anything else come to mind? Lynn back there. Peace. And why would that peace come? Trying to get you to say something else. Think about that. Harry? Uh, If our full attention is on God, then our full attention is not on ourselves. Or on our circumstances. And I think, Lynn, that's where the peace comes from. Absolutely. Those are good answers. And I think that perhaps we've all experienced, well, I don't know. Let me just speak for myself. When I am down, discouraged, frustrated, angry, anything that's out of sorts, I can almost guarantee you that too much of my attention is on my own self or my circumstances. And I need to look beyond them and push back for myself and look to God in worship and prayer. That worship looks differently for different people and in different situations. I was remembering a memorial service for a colleague of ours, an African-American pastor by the name of Claude Joyner, several years ago. He used to bring his tambourine to every district gathering, and he'd be back beating that tambourine, and uh, he and Dolores' wife would, from our seats, be really leading in worship and that service for him was loud and long boy it was fantastic but praise can just as easily happen in the quiet of a holy moment on the subject of worship i always think about jacob genesis chapter 47 Uh, joseph has been found alive and they've been reunited and he has just asked joseph to swear that he won't uh, bury his bones in egypt but that he'll Take his bones back home when his time comes. And after Joseph agrees to that, uh, Joseph walks off. And the Bible says that that Jacob out there under uh, God's big blue sky leans on a staff in worship. No big band, no raucous singing, just a quiet moment of praise. I think we think primarily of singing and of this time together when we think of worship. But it's much more than that. For starters, an entire service can include opportunity to worship. You might even worship during a sermon. If it directs your attention to God, God's here right now. Think about that. Us preachers ought to remember that every once in a while. I'm not just delivering a sermon. I'm not just preaching. Preaching his word. And I know God is speaking and working. He's he's here with us. The whole service can be an opportunity for worship. But more importantly, worship is for every day of our life. In fact, for another message, we can get to a place where we're so connected with God that our whole life becomes worship. Everything we do, an act of worship. Worship includes or begins with simply acknowledging 
God. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Ever been at a party or in a place with a bunch of people, but it's like you're invisible? You're like all alone, like no one's talking to you or even acknowledging that you're there. I wonder if God feels that way ever as we hustle and bustle about our lives. Worship begins with simply acknowledging God. Worship includes humility. The Magi bowed down. I'm I'm tempted to just have us all do that, but some of us want to get back up this morning. There's something about the position of our bodies. I wonder if we could so experience the presence of God that it would drive us to our knees. (laughs) Thank you, Timmy. Worship involves humility, giving the glory to God, the credit to God, pushing back for myself, getting the attention off of me. The glory is not mine. Worship includes humility. Worship is praise and thanks for who God is. The song of Moses in Exodus 15 came to my mind. We have that slide, Scott. This is after the Exodus, after that uh, miraculous deliverance of the people of Israel, that parted Red Sea. Let's read this together. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, and we can praise him in this. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. That song goes on to say, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Worship is praise and thanks for who God is. Worship is praise and thanks for what God has done and is doing and will do. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. That fourth chapter of Revelation gives us a glimpse into the throne room of God. And this is happening uh, on the part of those living creatures and 24 elders around the clock. Let's, uh, Let's praise the Lord with them and read that together. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Revelation includes some beautiful glimpses of worship, and it reminds me that every time we worship, we're simply joining in with what's happening around the clock in the realm of heaven. I'm winding down. Here's some action items that may help us give worship the place it deserves in our life with God. First, be intentional. There are spontaneous moments of worship. There on the rim of the Grand Canyon was one of those for me. But I think most of the time, our worship and prayer will be intentional. What must have been an awesome moment for those magi when they crossed that threshold came after an intentional journey, an intentional seeking. Second, make personal time alone with God, a priority in your life, and include worship. 
I'm a reader, I'm a thinker, I love Bible study, and I could take up all of my time alone with God just reading the Bible. And A, not remembering that it's God's way of communicating to me in this relationship that I have with Him. In fact, here's a, here's a specific, as you uh, read a passage of Scripture, and there are all kinds of things that we can gain from that, encouragement, hope, and all the rest, but ask yourself, what does that passage tell me about God? And whatever it tells you about God, that may be an opportunity for worship. Or when you pray, it's easy to just kind of launch into talking and bring your request and your confessions and all the rest. But when Jesus taught us to pray, the first thing he taught us was, remember who you're praying to. This is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. He has this beginning with praise and worship. Make a personal time alone with God a priority in your life. And including those disciplines of worship and prayer, really the privileges of worship and prayer, are like hydrogen and oxygen for us, essential as water and air. Whether we recognize it or not, they are. Push back from the screens, turn off the TV, eliminate the distractions and demands, cease your striving, and be still and know that He is God. Amen thinking about a guy that came to uh, live with us for a few days years ago going through a messy divorce and the thing that stands out for me from his stay with us is when he said I've never been in a home that was this quiet I think they came like from a lot of people's homes where the TV is on constantly we watch a little TV once in a while and that was life changing for him Be intentional. Make personal time alone with God a priority. Be intentional and faithful to gather for this time of worship together. Thank you for being here today. Be here every Lord's Day. The old timers used to say, unless providentially hindered, which means you're just sick as a dog or dead, or a thousand miles away. And if you're a thousand miles away, find a a church to gather with, right? Remember why you come. To participate and prepare for your coming. A Gallup poll back in 2005 indicated that eight of every ten believers do not feel they have entered the presence of God or experienced a connection with Him during a worship service. That's a tragic uh, stat, if true. Back to uh, that book, Worship on Earth as it is in Heaven, Noland would say, that the first step in experiencing God's presence on Sunday is to become a better worshiper Monday through Saturday. Personal worship throughout the week prepares you for worship together with your church. And then finally in this action item list, practice His presence, practice acknowledging Him in all your ways throughout your day. skip a slide, Scott. Come back to this question. So, what place does worship have in your life these days? If you're like me, you may need that reminder at the beginning of a year. I'm a doer. I can get up and hit the, the ground running. 
I like to think. I have to often pray, God, be in my thinking. I like to read. All those things are good, but it can squeeze out time when in my own life I just give my full attention to God. Remember who He is and what He's done and give Him praise and thanks. Let the place of worship in your life be this. Charles Spurgeon has some commentary on Psalm 25, and that's my last slide here, Scott. Very often the soul cannot rise. She has lost her wings and is heavy and earthbound, more like a burrowing mole than a soaring eagle. Maybe you're there. At such dull seasons, we must not give over or up on worship and prayer, but must, by God's assistance, exert all our power to lift up our hearts. Let faith be the lever and grace be the arm, and the dead lump will yet be stirred. That's a hopeful word. Worship and prayer have been the means for me by which I've stayed steady in the midst of so much that's out of my control and uh, uncertain and difficult. It's in those times when there's nothing more I can do that I finally hear God's call back to just acknowledge Him, give Him praise, know who He is, give thanks for what He's done, trust Him that He's yet working today. We gathered with our Old church family back home on Christmas Eve, it was a beautiful service, and the new pastor there reminded us that evening that we all worship something. Here's my closer. That young child, the Magi, sought and found, grew up in wisdom and in stature with both God and men. Thirty years later, during a time of testing and preparation in the wilderness before his public ministry, the devil showed up and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to Jesus, I'll give you all this if you bow down and worship me. Jesus' response is our call today. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And if you're willing to do that, God's people say, Amen. Amen. Invite Lori and our friends back up to uh, lead us in another song I've requested for this day. It may be uh, new to you, but it's got a familiar tune. Auld Lang Syne, you know that tune, right? We sing it on New Year's Eve or other times during the holidays. It's that tune, but it's an opportunity for us uh, to continue or to begin to practice worship, giving God praise for who He is, and especially today as we end this service for what He's done. Uh, thank you so much for uh, receiving this message. I pray that God helps us to live it in detail.
worship something or someone. May the Lord help us this week and every week to worship the one true living God who sent his son to die for us so that we can have eternal life. My closing prayer for you comes from Ephesians 3. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. And remember to stay uh, for a few minutes if you can and to pray together here uh, for this pastoral transition. God bless you.